The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk to WWE Hall of Famer. That's right. WWE Hall of Famer Edge for over 30 minutes. We pick Edge's brain about the amazing storyline that's playing out on Monday Night Raw with Randy Orton. Not only that, their match at WrestleMania 36 and the match, the greatest wrestling match of all time that happened at Backlash, plus his injury and what the future holds. Plus, Bully and I react from our Edge interview right now on the Busted Open Podcast. The one and only Edge. Edge, how are you, man? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks really for being quick. On. Yeah, we thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, a lot to get into. <laughs> a lot to get into from what we saw last night. Got to get into the movie as well, Money Plane, which I watched right after Monday Night Raw. Spoiler alert, it was much better than Monday Night Raw. Also, Edge, I have to tell you this. Um, and, and in all honesty, you have been an inspiration for me lately. And that is, and I haven't said this on the air, but I'll say it to you now that you're on, is that because of you and what I've seen you've been able to do over the course of the last year with this pandemic going, I decided to grow my hair out. What do you think, man? Growing my hair out a little bit? What do you think? <laughs> you be a skin hippie like the rest of us? <laughs> it's the in-between stages, man, and you're in one. It's the awkward stage. Yes, it's, it's, it's very, very awkward, but good to have you on and, you know, a lot to get into. And, and I do want to get into the movie and obviously you have to be proud. And I know with the injury and everything else, but what you've been able to do from the Royal Rumble to what we even saw last night with that promo, you have to be proud of what you've been able to accomplish lately. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I try not to focus on the, the pride aspect too much because pride can be a dangerous thing. But, uh, but, but what I wanted to do in coming back was to really try and tell some more nuanced layered stories. Um, the, the stuff that got me hooked on wrestling, Bret Hart matches, Jack Briscoe matches, Dory Funk matches, Terry Funk matches, Nick Bockwinkle matches, Kurt Hennig matches. And, and from the promo perspective, um, having nine years on sets and being able to work with some of the people that I had to work with, um, and had to keep up with, cause I worked with some beasts and if you couldn't keep man up, man, you were, you were going to get left on the, on the cutting room floor. 
So I realized, okay, I got to study. I got to work. I got to try and keep up. And I started peeling back acting the way I used to with wrestling. And that nine years of retirement and doing, I think I ended up at a hundred episodes of television by the time I was, you know, came back. It was, it was key. It was so huge. And when people ask me now, what would be your first bit of advice for an aspiring wrestler or somebody who's in the business and trying to make that next step, take acting classes, take acting classes, because right now more than any other time with no audience in a room, you're essentially cutting a monologue or an audition. And if you don't got chops, it shows. So that to me, that has been so key with this. And I, and I miss crowds. And I want to wrestle in front of crowds because it hurts so much more without them. But in terms of the, the pandemic and everything that everyone's going through, if you're going to look for positives for me, the promos, man, I have loved doing promos within this environment because I'm able to try and tap into those things that I've picked up. So you just mentioned not wrestling in front of a crowd. Um, obviously, you came back at the at the Rumble uh, massive pop. And then all of a sudden here you are first match back and the no crowd. C- can you describe that internal feeling, that awkwardness? What does it feel like to not be in front of a crowd and have to work up to the potential of every, that everybody knows that you can um, work up to the I'm- level. It, it's super challenging. I mean, I, not only from the aspect of, okay, I haven't had a match because the Royal Rumble is one thing. And even the last man standing is, is a different thing entirely, as you all know. Um, so not only is it the challenge of, I haven't done this in a long time. Now factor in, there's nothing to feed off of. And you got to bring the game that people expect out of you. And I'm going for more than that. Now, on, on this incarnation of Edge, I want to recreate Edge and bring something entirely different to the table. Um, that it, it's challenging, but I really dig challenges. So it's trying to find okay, th- this is the challenge set in front of us now. It's pretty cool if you look at it that way, and and that's what I'm trying to sink my teeth into. Is is again back to that? I want to have the type of match that an old NWA title match, one light above the ring, that that these dudes are wrestling. So if I grab a headlock and Randy grabs a waistlock trying to get out of it, I'm going to snatch that arm. I'm going to give him a head and arm takeover instead of just, you know, a pretty headlock takeover. Just those, those kind of muddy, ugly sandpaper uh, moments within a match. And so I'm, I've been focusing on those things, but also in terms of, you know, when I came back, there was the rumble and it was so much fun. And I, you know, I mean, might end up being the highlight of my career, honestly. Um, but the last man standing match, my idea was let's get out of the ring as quick as we can, because it's going to feel flat. It's going to feel weird. I, there's no crowd. It just felt like, Let's get out of here. We, we have a match that, that can go different places. Now, that match, I wanted to be a fight. To me, it needed to be a fight. Dude drops your wife. He does all of these things. He possibly puts you out again. So it needed to be a fight. And 
I've heard people complain that it's backward booking and all of those things. My argument to that is if someone in real life were to drop your wife, you're not going to go in and wrestle them. You're going to fight them. So the second chapter of this was now we go to a straight wrestling match because on paper, that's Randy's strength, right? Okay. So now there's the challenge of we had this fight. Now we got to go to a, a wrestling match. And to me, I wanted to play up on the aspect of, uh, I don't know if edge can do this. It's been nine and a half years since a straight wrestling match and start adding in layers that way. If every movie were written the same, God damn, that'd get boring. Wouldn't it? You know, if every book were written the same, how boring would that get? So, you know, when I see people complain about something that's different, we're going to make it work. Trust me, we're going to make it work. It just might be different. And to me, that's a great thing. I, I'm never I was never a fan of that whole backward booking excuse because good booking is good booking, whether it's forwards or backwards. And if you have the right story and if you have the right characters, backwards booking can work as good as frontwards booking. It, it, it's the same thing. It all depends on the story you laid out. So if Edge and Randy Orton find themselves face to face and some guy just like you said, dropped your wife. Where are you going to go? It's the logical step. So as long as logic is involved in backwards booking, it completely makes sense. And I, I'm shocked. Were you shocked to hear people come up with that kind of critique that, oh, this is backward? Like you have the type of last man standing match that you guys had off the charts performance. And then you have to listen to or read critique about backward booking. Here's, here's what I have to get used to. The last time I wrestled, there wasn't social media, really, you know, to the extent that there is now, to the extent where people seem to treat it like it's the holy grail, not understanding that it's probably 2% of the audience. So in the grand scheme of things, not that big a deal, but it's still there. And for me, what I found, it was like people complaining about the length of it. And you know what? We just went out and worked. We had to entirely switch everything up on the day because of the time of the day it was actually being shot. So we just went and worked, didn't say two words to each other, just fought. And where that went, it went. Um, what I found interesting is that people were complaining about the length of the match, yet they were probably the same people that for nine years were saying, you got to come back, you got to come back, you got to come back, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Okay, I'm back. And now you're going to complain about the length of my first match. I mean... I, it, I could have come back and done a two minute match with four finishers and a kick out. And you would have complained about that. So what is it? Is it 18 minutes that you need? Is, is that now that that time is okay, but 41 is not got it. Okay. It's just, you got to real, you consider the source and realize that there's always going to be some jaded wrestling fans and you can't work solely for them. You have to understand the entire totality of the audience and, and also try and bring back some casual viewers. And that, that to me, this whole run is, for me, what I want to try and do is remind people that selling sells. Because uh. it, it's, it's what this is based on, character and selling. Wrestling moves are not going to get you over. They aren't. Selling and character are going to get you over. If you don't have your character flushed out, you're just going to go out and do wrestling moves. And it's going to look like this 
you know, a physical form of ballet. Man, I, it's got to look like a fight. And your character has to be developed in order for people to care. And I, now I have 20 years worth of TV under my belt, so it's easy for me to say that. But I, I truly think that if you put that challenge in front of the talent today and say, okay, you got to find your character, you got to flush it out, you got to have an idea. And if you have that idea and that truth, that kernel of truth in your character, that's your North Star, is, is follow it. It's never going to point you wrong. As long as you can keep that in everything you do, whether that's a promo, whether that's a match, whether it's a spot, if you always keep that, that North star in mind, you're going to be fine. All right. So hearing that, and obviously bully and I have had many of an episode talking about just what you're saying, that it is a different world of pro wrestling. It has, I don't know, evolved into a lot of moves and athletic not even a competition anymore, just a showcase of athleticism. So knowing what you and Randy Orton have been able to do on a consistent basis on Monday Night Raw, are there any wrestlers that are coming to you saying, how can I do this? You know, help me. You know, give me, give me some of your experience so it can help me in the ring. Have you been getting that since you've come back to the WWE? Uh, almost all of them. Um, which, which is refreshing. I'm like, okay, good. And if my advice might not necessarily work for you. So as in anything, you're going to have a bunch of people in your ear when you're first coming in. So you have to filter through what can work for you. And that can be confusing too, because if an edge or an undertaker is giving you advice, you feel like, okay, I got to use that, but it might not work for you. I do think there are tent poles that can work for everybody. And, and some of them are what I just said, flush out your character, take some damn acting classes and always keep those, you know, that, that, that part of your character, that is an element of you because you have to have an element of you in order for it to, to read and translate to that audience. They're not going to necessarily know what the difference is. You'll know if you have that, that small element of you in there, that you can always bite onto again, that that's going to steer you straight. But, um, a, a lot of the talent have come up to me and, and I love it. You know, uh, that's part of why I wanted to come back. I didn't just want to come back and do the greatest hits. I didn't just want to come back and, you know, collect a payday. I really want to come back to try and help further, um, this, this next gener generation of guys and girls and, and get in there hands on, because I can tell you all day till I'm blue in the face, but unless I get in there and get hands on you, that's when I can really teach. And that's, that's man, that that's why I never took a producer's job because I just, I knew if I was that close, but I couldn't actually show you through movement, how it can feel just telling you ideas in the back wasn't, wasn't necessarily going to cut it. I got to get in there with you and, and you got to feel it. We got to feel it together and listen to that audience when they're back. And, um, I remember working Dolph at the Royal rumble one year and it was in Boston. And I think the spear was banned and Vicky was there. And so I said to him beforehand, I was like, listen, this is Boston. I've been champ at this point, I think 10 times, certain point in the beginning of this match, they're going to get with you. And he was like, what? what? I was like, they're, trust me on this. We just got to ride through it and know where we're going. And by the end, they're just going to be reacting. Sure enough, about probably four minutes in, they start, you know, 
they start getting with Dolph. He's like, what? How, what? So it, it just comes through years and years of feeling audiences and having wrestled in Boston 42 times before that. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it just, it, that's the stuff I want to be able to, to teach an Alistair Black or, uh, you know, um, a Damian Priest or, or guys like that. It's just to get in there with them and, and let them feel how it can be and how easy it can be if you're listening and if you you have your mind in the right place. You just mentioned coming back to help further the next generation, which is always what the business needs. It needs a passing down from generation to generation. It worked for you, me, everybody. But since you've come back, you haven't furthered the next generation. You've been furthering the old generation. I have been speaking, uh, I think, very highly of Randy as, as an athlete, as a wrestler, as a worker. But for the before you came back, I almost felt like Randy was going through the motions storylines wise, not not with his performances, there was nothing for Randy and Dave can tell you, I would keep saying on the show, Randy needs the right guy. Randy needs the right guy. So please do me a favor, put your pride and put your ego in your back pocket for a second and tell me why you were the perfect guy for Randy and how much of that Randy that we know and love have you brought out? Um, you know, I, I push Randy um, and, and I push Randy to his, his capabilities, but he doesn't even understand his capabilities because Randy just does. He doesn't think he doesn't need to think. He just has this innate instinct that comes through three generations of doing this. And, and I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody to his extent. Kurt Angle is close coming from where he came from. But Randy is a special man, but he doesn't realize how special he is. Uh, Me coming back, I think I can reinforce that and, and, and push him to be what he can be. That being said, I needed him to see if I could do this because coming back after all that time, sure. I want to get in there with, like I said, Alistair Black, Austin Theory, you know, Damian Priest, Angel Garza, Cesaro. God, there's so many guys I want to get in there with. But I needed to start with Randy to see where I was at, to be in there with someone who I know is just so damn good, but would also push me. Um, I had to start with Randy. And I knew that coming back, having this, this, cherry of a story dropped in his lap that Randy would step up and he just needed something to be able to, to sink his teeth into. (laughs) And, um, and man, I, I just knew it. I knew it. But then the next night after the rumble, when I heard people screaming, I was like, Oh my God, this feels like, like old school NWA dusty roads. Like this, this, this is what I was hoping for, but you never fully know, right? When I heard those screams, I was like, man, this is, this is going to be so much fun. We got him. We got him. We got him. We got him. The, the story was played out perfectly. How much um, influence did you have in the story that was told leading up to your match at WrestleMania? 
Um, I have been given almost full carte blanche. Um, there, there's a couple of things that I, I tried to go against. Um, but, but I realized that, uh, the lines were drawn and that wasn't going to get changed. So that was fine. But you know, the promos I'm writing them, um, the storyline arc, um, you know, I, I put it together and, and, uh, and then you, but you have to sometimes, you know, make chicken salad, right? Because mm-hmm. I tore my triceps. So what do we do here? And how do we, how do we navigate this? Um, it, it's, it's all a work in progress really, but I, I've been given so much freedom and that has been so much fun, man. It, it really like, again, back to being on sets all these years, I would shadow directors and I would see how they laid out their stories and see how they would position these shots and, and why would they would get this angle or this take. And in the editing process, use this take because everybody was stronger in that performance and on close-ups, which did you use? It, it was, it was huge for me. So that when I'm coming back at this, I'm looking at this like a director. I look at the totality of the storyline and I'm looking at it as a director, as opposed to a wrestler. And, um, you know, I sat down with Vince and, and had that discussion. I said, I need to look at the backlash match as a director not as a, as a pro wrestler. And that I think has really helped my mindset in terms of, of trying to, to paint this story. I just want to shift gears to something that you had said in an interview. It might've even been part of the last ride uh, with regard to the streak. At one time there were plans for you to end the streak and you were against that. Why were you against it? And how much of a plan was this? Was it discussed one day? Was it discussed a month? How, how, how much had the ball been rolling with regard to considering you to end the streak? I don't know how far it was rolling until it got to me, but I think once it got to me, that's when it stopped rolling. Um, it died Baker, a quick death with you? It died a quick death with me. I think once I, once I said, uh, nope, well, then they're not going to do it, Right. Um, my reasoning was, I felt if I'm looking at WrestleMania, the card, we need the streak. You know, you have the title matches, you have all the, the title matches underneath, you probably have money in the bank. I, I'm looking at the strength of the card. Okay. If I end the streak, well, next year we don't have the streak as one of the calling cards of WrestleMania. And to me, that's just it became more important than the title matches almost, you know, and, and it, it's very arguable. I think it may have to me, it shouldn't have ended until his final match. And you pick the person, uh, you know, I said for years, man, build Roman, just let it be Roman at the end of the day, let him be the guy who beats him. And that is the true passing of the torch. Well, didn't end up that way, you know? Um, but to me, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I didn't feel I needed it because by that point I was already established. I was already a made man. And why give an already made man that feather in the cap? Brock Lesnar didn't need it. Didn't. He's already made. Put it, put that label, put that huge neon flashing sign. I ended Undertaker streak on a new player that you know is going to be one of your workhorses. 
and take the company into the next generation. That's me. Seemed like a missed opportunity. No, you're right. Um, For you, and you talked about the Torin tricep. What was more disappointing for you this year? The injury or the new Pearl Jam album? Now, see, now we're going to have a debate because what I appreciate about, appreciate about the new Pearl Jam album is that the set of, of the set on those guys mm-hmm. to go, okay, almost 30 years into our career, our first single is going to be the talking heads. They're taking chances. They're trying things. They're throwing stuff at the wall and it sounds like they're enjoying themselves. And as a performer, it, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you just do the greatest hits that gets old. You got to challenge yourself. You got to look for new things. And to me, that's what they're doing. So I can appreciate it on that level. Um, This ain't right. This ain't Dave. Dave, why did you just take a shot at him like that? First of all, it's not. It's an honest answer because no, it's an honest that, answer. You try to you try to slide in one of your no, no, one no, of no, your no, no, sly no. little left-handed jabs. Listen, you know he's a huge Pearl Jam fan. I, I, See, yes. this is how you got banned no, from AEW because. Yeah, I know. Listen, but but bully, bully, really quick, bully before, because obviously I know Edge is a huge Pearl Jam fan. He has the he has the memorabilia on the walls. That's why I asked the question the way that I did, because it's an honest question. What was more disappointing, the injury or you know his favorite band putting out a really shitty album like Gigaton? So I think it's to me it's a completely legitimate question. You are jumping to the conclusion with your in-between hair that I didn't like the album. So you're already trying to paint that I didn't like the album, and I did like it. This is exactly how he got ba- Cody Rhodes banned him from AEW because oh, big stars come on the show, and then Dave gets a big head with his big no, hair, and true. then he takes shots at you guys. That's <laughs> not taking a shot. He That's takes not, shots at you guys. Man. He got banned. You should ban him from WWE shows. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to ban him from my music room from now on. There you oh, go. like I was ever going to get invited, please. Like, come <laughs> on, come on, Edge. I mean, come on now. Like, you know, if I knocked at your door, the next thing I would see would be police surrounding me. So please, let's not, let's not make it like you're going to welcome me in. <laughs> I, I do got to ask this because it, it's been on my mind. I, I, I've seen this with my own eyes. But I need to know what it's like for you. What is it like to see Tommy Dreamer naked? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so we were just talking about disappointing. I, I, it, uh, <laughs> you, you, my retinas have never been the same. I, I think I think uh, William put it best when he said, "A melting candle." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really quick before we let you go because i know you got you know you gotta you look at your eddie vedder memorabilia all afternoon but really quick that was a jab that was a little that jab. was not a jab i th- that's what i Ban figured him. you had Ban planned him. i figured that's Ban what you had planned after the interview i do want to get in into money plane for just a second which i know that's being released uh on july 10th but i mentioned at the introduction about your wife beth phoenix I say it all the time on this show. I'm not just saying it here, but I mention it every single Thursday. She is really, to me, the best commentator in the WWE right now and on NXT. And listen, 
doing commentary with Moore or Inala, who is really over the top, very excitable, very passionate, for her to shine the way that she has, man, I give her all the credit that she deserves because she has been absolutely phenomenal on Wednesdays. Well, I, I think for her, it's been a huge challenge. And now she's doing it remotely. So she's not even sitting with Morrow where you can play off of wow. each other. Morrow play. She's here in Asheville and they're piping down into Orlando. So there's the extra challenge of that. And, um, but man, she's working. She, she's, she's, she's really putting the time in and, um, because she wants to be good at it and she's her own worst critic. And I, I, you know, she'll always beat herself up. But I said, listen, honey, what you bring to the table is something that currently no one, even Graves can't bring to the table at this point because you've wrestled at WrestleMania. You've been involved in this level of, of the industry. You got to bring those strengths because nobody else has them. Also the fact that you're a woman and you can speak to all of those challenges. My God. I mean, you can be a, a, a fountain of information that uh, will play completely opposite to what Morrow does, which I think is a good thing, you know? And um, so she's, I think now she's starting to have fun. And that to me is the key to anything that you're going to do within wrestling. At the end of the day, you got to have fun. And that translates. You won one match. Randy won one match. Is there another match in the cards? Do we just have to wait and see? Do you want to have another one? Uh, to me, it has to. To me, it has to be a trilogy. Um, you know, we had Backlash, and um, and I was really proud uh, with, with everything that was kind of put in front of us. Um, I, I was happy with how that turned out. And, and contrary to the experts, it was not taped over seven or eight hours. It was once straight through. And then we went back and did four pickup shots. Now, I've seen people like complain about the, the under the DDT and the lockup. And I think that's a total of two seconds of the entire match. So if that ruined the entire match for you, then, then you have bigger issues than, than what I can. <laughs> we, uh, we actually argued yes. that exact point right there with one of our callers. Yep. He said that that go. two seconds took away from the other 44 minutes and we, we just destroyed him. It, well, I mean, I, I get it. Everybody needs something to complain about, but, but here's how I look at it. That for me was a huge test to see where I'm really at wind wise, wrestling wise in this new incarnation of how I want to wrestle going forward. And I know that some of our audience is very conditioned to these 52 super kicks, 84 flip matches. That's not going to be me. And it never was me, but especially now, like I said, I want the match where Bret Hart and Taker and, and Jerry Briscoe are going to text me after and William Regal and guys like that. And I go, okay, that's what I was gunning for. And that that's what this is going to be. And if that takes a re-education of the industry and a re-education of the, the fan base, then so be it. And to me, that match, um, I, I was really happy with how it turned out and where I was at, even with the torn triceps. I was, I was just really, really happy because I had an opponent that I knew would just do and be present in that moment. And that, that is so key. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we, we did those two shots. Now that being said, those, those pickup shots, I hated them and it was my idea. So I'm fully, fully guilty of it. I was like, great. 
greatest wrestling match ever. There's no such thing. It's completely subjective. So what can we do that's different? And as I was driving down to Orlando, I was like, maybe some GoPro type pickup shots. Maybe that will add a different element. I saw the first cut without any of that in. I was like, boom, we don't need them. But Vince loved them. And I was like, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Because now they're going to be in there. And Sorry, pal. Yeah, I got He goes, we got to take these chances. We got to try because he is looking at it from a bigger landscape. And and people can complain about that. But of course, he's going to do that. Just like as a promoter, he's going to call it the greatest wrestling match ever. He's a promoter. And once I wrap my mind around that, like, oh, this is just a tagline we're not expected to go out and have the greatest wrestling match ever. And people who are fixated on that are missing the point. What, what to me, what that was, was a love letter to wrestling. That's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a love letter to wrestling. So yeah, I wanted Fink there and I wanted the MSG and I wanted old school introductions and Charles and a bow tie and a shirt and, and present this as a love letter to wrestling. And if that went over your head, then I can't help you. And I love the fact that Bully and I talked about that when it comes to the WWE, you don't hear the word wrestling a lot. They're not, they're not wrestlers. They're superstars. The, the, this is a fight. It's not a wrestling match. So for me, as an old school wrestling fan, to hear that terminology, that got me excited just, just from that. Well, and it made it completely different than Mania. Um, yeah. And now going forward, the challenge will be, okay, what is – what is the next chapter of this and how do we make it entirely different from backlash? But that that's fun. That's where you get into, you know, again, the nuances of story. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and, and even we tried different things like the superplex was live. And if you noticed on, on replays, they didn't shoot the entire ring because that cameraman, as we were climbing up, he slid in the ring and got in the back corner. So I'm taking my, my first superplex in probably 12 years. And I'm going, Ooh, how's this going to feel? And then I see him climbing in. I was like, Oh, this is going to look cool. <laughs> so that was, really, <laughs> that was the only shot that I was okay with because when we landed, he literally bounced and that one I was okay with because it happened live. You know, it, it was within that 48 live straight through. I still am going to request the director's cut, like the Zack Snyder Justice League cut that cuts out those two seconds just for all the, um, you know, the, uh, the jaded ones out there to take, take it out for them. And honestly, for me, because I have OCD. I, I, I want to get into money playing. Um, thank you so much for the time. You've given us a lot of your time and we truly, truly. Oh, man, I'll stay here for the whole show. I'm good. That's, that's up there with the kids. I got, I'm sitting on my butt. I got, I got my big old brace on, so I got nothing to do. All right. I right, easy. You're, you're not a host. Um, so <laughs> I, I probably should be after hearing you. Just saying. Yes. Yes, I think the Edge and Bully show would be great. Yeah, yeah, okay. that, that would get canceled. Um, so I, I do want to get into, into money playing. Cricket, <laughs> cricket. It's the sound no, of your joke you getting over. Oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, Bully. Don't be cool in front of superstars. No, no, and all the I'm famers. not being cool. Don't be I'm cool. Don't on. try to act cool. Oh, come on now. I can never be as cool as Edge. But it's then after hearing what he feels about Gigaton, maybe I am. But anyway, so <laughs> I want I want to get in I want to get into Money Plane because I did watch it last night. First of all, as a fan of Cheers and Frasier, to hear like Kelsey Grammer dropping f bombs like and right? he says mother f 
He, he, he goes for the big one in the first scene of the movie. I'm like, wow, this is going to be something special. You talked about the acting classes. Obviously, you're very familiar with movies. You know, this is coming out July 10th. Why should people invest their time into Money Plane? I, I mean, for me, it was uh, a callback to movies that I loved growing up. It's an action movie. You know, uh, it, it's fun. It's just and it's fast paced and it's it's it's, um, you know, a heist. It's just all of the things that when I was in my teen years, like I, I knew I could just go and forget for two hours, which I think any good entertainment, that's what it does for you. Um, and, and that to me was the selling point of this. Um, and then, you know, this got brought to me and they said, Kelsey Grammer is playing, you know, the villain. I went, whoa. Wow. So here's a little backstory on that. I had just found out that I was cleared to come back. So I'm still processing all of that, right? We lost my mom a year prior um, to cancer. And when she would be down for her chemo treatments, all she wanted to do was go home and watch Fraser. That was her show. And Kelsey Grammer was without a doubt her favorite actor. Like no one else came close. So I've just gotten cleared. I know I'm coming back at the Royal Rumble and I get this offer brought to me to star opposite Kelsey Grammer in a movie. No brainer. No brainer. My mom is, that's all awesome. she's in the ether somewhere pulling strings. You know? Absolutely. And, man. and I just thought I get to, to act opposite this man who I love as well, you know, because people forget Kelsey Grammer is responsible for a character that has more tenure and more seasons of any other character in the history of television. He won three Emmys for the same character on three different shows. Cheers as Fraser Crane, Wings as Fraser Crane on a guest spot, and Fraser as Fraser Crane. That's ridiculous. So I get to act opposite that guy. Man, I'm just going to soak that up. I'm going to pick his brain all day. And um, a class act, great guy. Loved working with him. And and it is just so much fun. But yeah, he dropped some of that stuff in that first scene we had together. That was our first scene together, period. We just met, and now all of a sudden, he's hitting that stuff. And I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's a, that's a tremendous story, Edge. And, and I like the movie. I'm a professional. I made sure I watched the movie before we interviewed, unlike. Uh, my co-host, but I enjoyed it. And then every, why? No, you're going to call me? I'm going to call you out. All right, so July 10th, it's out for everybody to watch Edge. I know you want to stick around, but we have other things to get into. You're a Hall of Famer, but the show's not completely dedicated to you. But we do appreciate the time that you gave us today. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Next, are you always on it, Dave? Yes, I'm the one constant. Unfortunately. I'm the one constant. I'm the one constant edge on this show, unfortunately. Tommy, Mark Henry are part of it as well, you know? So you're the fungus that kind of sticks around in the corner. I am. You, you know what he is? He's my Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Which technically <laughs> well, that's worse. That's worse. Easy, easy, Edge. Easy. I love you, Edge, thank you so much for the time. And again, Money Plane coming out July 10th. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. That was a blast. This week on World of Basketball, Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Pangos, two former Gonzaga stars, joined the show. And Kevin spoke about the time he dropped 48 points 
On the Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins. He gets mad when, when people say that because he's, he said he was only guarding me for half the game. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in high school, there was one game we played in a, in a tournament, and it was one of those games that everything was falling. I think I also threw up a lot of shots. Um, <laughs> the, the, the highlights don't show that, but yeah, it was one of those games where things were falling and, and had 48. New episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app. Pandora and Apple Podcasts. Man, one hell of an interview, Bully, with Edge. 41 minute match, 41 minute interview. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I had no problem with the length of the interview. Was never nope. bored. I think I was good with the length. <laughs> it flowed well. He's, listen, the guy the guy is a great speaker as we know on TV and in and in uh, quote unquote real life it was nice to to get some insight into the matches whether it was the last man standing match or the greatest match uh, ever wrestling match ever to hear him talk about how he sees the big picture Younger wrestlers should really listen to that interview and understand how important the big picture is. That me, me, me attitude does not work in pro wrestling, and it might work for you in the short term, but in the long term, it will never, ever help you. Think about his mentality when it came down to turning down the streak or think about his mentality when it comes to the bigger picture of the backwards booking and how everything can work. He's basically telling you when done right, wrestling is a perfect form of sports entertainment. Key words, when done right. There are nothing that Edge and Randy are doing wrong. Nothing. And he talks about those old school throwback feuds, the NWA, the feuds that we loved so much. Edge and Randy is a good old fashioned blood feud minus the gallons and gallons of blood, because I'm sure if they were allowed to, they'd, they'd bleed yes. like crazy all over the place. This is storytelling at its finest. This is promos at its finest. This is working at its finest. And in. And, and the, it's a detriment almost to Monday Night Raw, in my in my opinion, because for the same reason why bringing back Stone Cold Steve Austin or all the Attitude Era guys for like a special of Monday Night Raw or bringing back The Rock for one ep the first episode of SmackDown, when you get guys like Edge and Orton who are Attitude Era guys or Ruthless Aggression Era guys who were brought up in the business the way they were and got to work with the veterans they got to work with and they learned the way they learned, Edge and Orton are smoking the entire Raw roster, if not everybody in the WWE. I'm sorry, folks. It's not even close. Not even close. It's not glaring. because, oh, no, oh, oh, you know, that's a veteran talking about other veterans, so of course he's going to put them over. No, people, the storytelling is perfect. You're going to tell me that Edge's promo last night, sitting there in the corner of the ring, speaking, you know, just drawing you in and drawing you in and drawing when you in. And then all of a sudden talks to me about how cowboy Bob Orton was shooting blanks. He draws you in so much and he hits you with that line. You're like, Oh my God. No, he did not say that. And then right back into the storyline aspect of it. 
and then they come right out of that into a and and uh, you know Orton kind of retort. Why can't they be doing this with everybody? This goes back to the Vince Russo thing. Why can't they be writing this good for everybody? You know why, Dave? Why? Because they're not writing it. The Yak and Barack Show. When your first step to resolve something is go to social media or to go to a public forum to vent, I think that just makes you take two steps backwards in even trying to resolve it in the first place. You know, so I just think not just boxing media, boxing promoters and boxers should refrain from letting social media be the place we, you know, where we hold court. Weekdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. You're getting all of this from Randy and Edge, and you're not getting it from the rest of the show. It's glaring how much better Orton and Edge are to the rest of the show. And you talked about, hey, if they can write this for Edge and Orton, why can't they write this for the rest of the show? And I think Edge gave us the answer, Bully, because I asked Edge. I said, how much input did you have in the story leading up to your match at WrestleMania, which we absolutely loved. Each week was a different chapter. And he said, other than a couple of things, those couple of things we could probably mention, one offhand that I thought was a little misstep leading to WrestleMania, he said, other than a couple of things, he had carbolage when it came to that story leading up to their match at WrestleMania 36. The WWE is only going to give certain people that carte blanche. I'm glad that they're giving it to them. But when I watch a Monday Night Raw and I see how Edge and Orton are completely pedal to the metal, blowing past all of the other talent, I'm saying to myself, as a creative team, maybe it's time for us to get back in touch with our wrestlers and have them have a little bit more input. I remember being there from 99 to 2006 and having the input that we had. Now, I'm a guy who had input just like Edge had or Matt Hardy had or any of us had. And when we put our input into things, we were able to create greatness just the way Edge is creating greatness right now. A good general will always listen to his soldiers that are on the front lines because nobody's going to be able to describe to the general what's going on on the front lines better than those soldiers. Those guys sit back and they're writing, but they might not be in touch with all of the talent. Does creative know who Apollo Crews really is? Do create, does creative know who Liv Morgan really is? Does anybody in the back there know how to get in touch with these people as well as they're in touch with themselves? Does creative ever sit down with talent and say, who are you? What makes you tick? One of the things that I wanted to do a long time ago was come turn the pro wrestling business into a complete shoot. I wanted to take a camera and go up to every single wrestler and go, who do you dislike in this business and why? And find out who people truly had a problem with. 
and use that as the foundation for all stories being told in the near future. So if I've had a problem with the fact that you had a problem, if I found out that you had heat with somebody else for whatever reason, oh, we were in the car together and he fell asleep or he didn't pay his tolls or whatever like that. If I knew that you had a little bit of animosity towards somebody else, I would now build on that animosity, create a storyline out of that animosity because I knew that there was a spark there and I knew what made you tick and I knew why you didn't like one guy and why that guy didn't like you that's what you're getting from edge and edge and randy everybody else is just canned writing this is why Heyman was so good at what he was what he did back in the day because he was in touch with every single character talent in his locker room thanks for listening catch us monday through saturday on busted open from 9 a.m to noon eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 the busted open podcast the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.